Not that it happens often, but every time I get a whiff of rave hairspray or degree antiperspirant, I am immediately transported back to the junior high locker room after a volleyball game. Images of aerosol mist still hanging in the air, complete with girls doing their makeup and doing their hair. Now other smells will take me to other places, other emotions, other images. That's because the olfactory nerve is connected to the amygdala, the place in the brain associated with memory and emotion. It bypasses reason and takes you directly to those places you thought you had forgotten. That is, in so many ways, the purposes of oil and of anointing. This week, we focus on the anointing of the sick as one of the sacraments we've been lifting up during Lent. Rachel Held Evans, in her book, Searching for Sunday, points out that in Exodus 30, God gave Moses a recipe for oil that he would use to anoint the temple, the altar, the religious furnishings, even the priests. And no one else was supposed to use this particular recipe or mixture because God wanted the people to know God's smell, to associate this smell only and always with the God who brought them out of Egypt through the desert into the promised land. But there were other mixtures, other scents, other ways that people connected scent with experience. As Evans says, the pages of scripture positively drip with oil. Nearly 200 references speak of oil to light lamps, oil to soothe dry skin, oil to honor guests, oil to mark a sacred place, oil to solemnify a commitment, oil to entice, oil to comfort, oil to consecrate, oil to heal, oil to anoint priests, prophets, and kings, oil to prepare a body for burial, each with their own fragrance, their own memory. Today we hear the story in Matthew chapter 26, verses 6 through 13, where the woman comes to Jesus when he's eating dinner and breaks open a bottle of expensive oil and pours it over him. What a waste! It could have been sold, the disciples say. It could have been saved, but instead she doused Jesus in its fragrance. The smell permeated the whole house, leaving its imprint even on the taste of the food at the table. It was a fragrance associated with death, the oil used to anoint a body before it is buried. The disciples around the table would have then been transported to the gravesides of loved ones. The grief that they felt, the despair, the rupture of their hearts. And they would again be reminded that Jesus would die, and soon. Even though he had told them three times before, each time they just simply couldn't bear to continue this conversation, and they didn't want to hear about it or smell about it now. But the woman brings them all to the memory of death with this oil. And with the disciples, we might ask what the point of it all is, because it didn't change anything. Why bother with the oil if he's going to die anyway? In the church, we use oil to anoint the sick and pray over those who are dying. But it doesn't change the consequences, the outcomes. We use it in our services of healing and wholeness as a sign and symbol of God's love. We use it to mark the sign of the cross on the newly baptized. 
Imagine that we use oil enough to elicit the memory of God's presence every time we smell it. Because that's the purpose of the oil. There's nothing special about it, but it carries the grace of God through the feel and scent. It doesn't cure, but it opens the door to healing. It doesn't save, but it comforts. It doesn't bring life, but it reminds us where our life comes from. It tells the truth about who we are and whose we are. And isn't the gospel about truth? Evan says, if the world is watching, we might as well tell the truth. And the truth is, the church doesn't offer a cure. It doesn't offer a quick fix. The church offers death and resurrection, which is hard for us to hear these days. We want a cure. We want a quick fix. But the church only offers the messy, inconvenient, gut-wrenching, never-ending work of healing and reconciliation because the church offers grace. Anything else we try to peddle is snake oil, she says. It's not the real thing. As Brene Brown puts it, I went to church thinking it would be like an epidural, that it would take the pain away. But the church isn't like an epidural. It's like a midwife. I thought Faith would say, I'll take away the pain and discomfort. But what it ended up saying was, I'll sit with you in it. The smell of healing that we use here is frankincense and myrrh. Myrrh used for anointing royalty, and frankincense used for anointing the dead. Because we live in between these two realities. We are dust, and to dust we shall return. But we are also sealed with the Holy Spirit and marked with the cross of Christ forever. The smell of this oil brings me, time and again, to the altar, to the bedsides of those with only days or hours left, to the hundreds of prayers we have prayed over one another. For me, it is the smell of God's presence. But maybe today, these days, we need an additional smell, a different one, one that right now brings us into each other's presence even while we're separated, one that smells like hope and relationship and new life, one that reminds us that today's reality may change the future, but it will not be the future. We need the smell of a risen Christ Maybe there's a mixture or recipe that you prefer to make. Like the Israelites, who used hyssop to mark cleansing and spikenard to signal wealth, whose sacrifice smelled like hyssop and cedar wood and anointing the prophets smelled like cassia. We too can associate a new spell, smell with this extended Sabbath, this time of drawing away, of deep prayer and quiet evenings, of additional phone calls, and experimental worship experiences, of challenging school approaches, and simplified lifestyles, to remind us of fragile tempers, that would explain me, and extended compassion, I'm sure that explains all of you, to draw us again into new life. Amen.